Girl, he reads from these journals he kept when he was a principal. Uncut and uncensored. Putting all his business in the street. The podcast, Ruthless Equity. The name, Ken Williams. Talk about emotional extremes. First, it's the debacle that is the assistant principal selection process. And now I wake up on Friday morning to find an email from Dr. Rick DeFore. The email is an invitation to join him and Solution Tree as a PLC associate. Yes, a PLC associate. Talk about speaking your goals into existence. I was expecting to talk about this a year from now. But based on my passion, persistence, and track record, he's recommended me now, which is incredible. I am still stunned and in shock as I write this. I've gotten in touch with the person who facilitates this process at Solution Tree, and she sent me a letter complete with instructions, which, which are quite daunting. The theory of people at times seeing more in you than you see in yourself is true. I look at this list of associates and think, I've got a ways to go. Dr. DeFore looked at this list of associates and believes I have what it takes to do this now. It's incredible. to be excited about here at unfold the soul the first thing is this listen get you some of that buttery baritone baby the ruthless equity audiobook is out now look i'm proud of myself i had no idea the grind it takes to actually record and narrate an entire book but i'm really proud of it it's available on amazon audible and many other audiobook platforms check it out the ruthless equity audiobook also, if you are a fan of Ruthless Equity, a brother needs a favor. Please, 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 if you've gotten value from the book, please take a moment to leave a review on Amazon.com. You know how our world is set up today. I know I lean heavily on uh, customer reviews in every aspect of my life, whether it's renting a home, booking a hotel, right? Planning a vacation or buying a book and I could use as much help as possible. Please take a moment and leave an honest review on amazon.com. If you're a fan of Ruthless Equity, you're a school leader or a teacher leader, you're interested in a powerful book study, check out the Ruthless Equity Accelerator video book study. I've taken all the things I hate about book studies out of it. I facilitate all nine sessions. It's made up of nine fantastic video modules you're able to walk your staff through the work to keep it moving forward without having the pressure to remember everything I said in Ruthless Equity. The only materials required is the book. All other materials can be downloaded from the site. If you're interested in that, go to RuthlessEquity.com to check out the Ruthless Equity Accelerator Video Book Study. Lastly, if you are remotely interested in partnering with me around de delivering professional development at your school or district, please check me out humbly. My calendar is filling up 
and even more humbly and shooting straight, the better I get at this and um, the more demand increases, I've honestly become really selective. I'm trying to also uh, live my best life. So if you have had any thoughts about partnering with me, go to unfoldthesoul.com. You can either go to the speaking tab or go right to unfoldthesoul.com slash contact. Set up a time. You'll see all three of my professional learning models there. Let's get together and bring equity, excellence, and achievement for all students, regardless of background, to your school or district. Now, back to the podcast. All right, baby, let's get into it. You know, I I really work to be authentic on this podcast, and I rarely skip entries unless, you know, they really don't have a lot of relevance in terms of school leadership, or I just literally need to protect the innocent and oftentimes not so innocent. I almost skipped this one because at first glance, it felt uh, like, hey, you know, I need to separate the consultancy from, you know, school leadership. But two seconds after I had that thought, I realized that while this was a personal goal of mine, the process of making it happen bleeds into my professional life. It just has universal applications and you know, that's what I want to talk about on, on, on several different levels. And I'll tell you, when, when I was in high school, one of my best friends, a group of five guys and one woman, we just, we still hang out to this day. We try to get together. We lived in different parts of the country. But my friend Steve, uh, his parents owned a small mom and pop hardware store. And every day he brought $2 for lunch. And Listen, on some days he had a $5 bill, which covered him for two days and gave him an extra dollar. And I could not get my head around what his parents did to be able to give him $2 every freaking day. And he would spend it and he'd come with $2 again the next day. It just blew my mind. And, you know, I didn't grow up in abject poverty, but we lived check to almost check, you know. My dad's from those streets, and he knows how to hustle up, and he's a great problem solver and provider. And my mom was a, a, a para-pro in public schools for, for decades. So we lived check to almost check, right? A little more month than the money. And for a while, especially throughout like high school and even college, I thought that, you know, kind of your lot in life was kind of predetermined in some ways I just didn't you know his Steve's family somehow they, they, they figured out you know some entrepreneurship and they have a hardware store and I just thought it was kind of the luck of the draw you know and then after graduate school I started to learn some things about how people make stuff happen I'm not talking about money right money is just a tool right money just makes you more of who you are and some will call it manifesting now I am, uh, I am pretty, I'm pretty tactile, you know. I know there are some metaphysical elements to manifestation and meditation and all that stuff, but ultimately I'm a take action guy. Like I need something tangible. I, I kind of ride the, uh, you know, I'll hear like uh, spiritual thought leaders really get really esoteric about how to manifest. I'm very practical about it, and when I learned 
what it took and then took a risk and tried it and saw how I was able to make things happen, not by magic, not every single time, but far more times than not. You know, what you focus on grows. It changed my life. It changed my life and I applied it to everything I did from my time in the classroom to my time in the principalship and especially during my years at that school because turning a school like that around and establishing a new culture requires you to it's somewhat of an out of body experience like you have to get your head above the mud and the shit and see past your current circumstance you know there are elements of visioning right and so I'm not going to get all deep into what manifestation is about but I will tell you that my wife has said forever that I have restless spirit and um which means I kind of move from thing to thing to thing. I move to my next ambition. I don't stay anywhere too long. And for me, I knew that consulting, I thought at the at the time of this journal entry, it would be like part-time, maybe a, you know, a day, a month or so, you know, supplement my income, uh, work out my presentation muscle. Um, I did some stand-up comedy way back in the day like in college and um, in my first few years of teaching and I get to work out that muscle broaden my impact go out and you know help other schools do this work and then come back and make my school better that's what I saw and I actually have these goals written you know I have um, laminated goal cards that talk about not only what I want to accomplish you know, I, I, I thought I was going to be a life coach, you know, and do some school improvement consulting on the side, some leadership consulting. But when I would write these cards out, I knew that I learned that it's not enough to put, you know, a dollar amount at the top of the card because that is like it's it's agnostic. It means nothing. Beneath that dollar amount is my why. Like what 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 is this dollar amount going to allow me to do? What is becoming a part-time consultant going to allow me to do. And I have this whole list. I mean, I, I'm not going to read it to you, but I keep these cards and I have three others that are on the top of my computer screen now for today. It's this whole list of how it's going to benefit my life, enhance uh, relationships, uh, create more experiences for my family. Like those are the things that get you out of bed. You know, when I talk about mission with schools, like tell me your mission statement alone isn't going to get you out of bed. And PLC is not going to get you out of bed. And I'm a PLC zealot. The question is, when you become a high-functioning PLC, when you are um, ensuring equity, excellence, and achievement for all students, regardless of background, what will the day be like? What will that bring you? How will it benefit your students, your parents, your community, your teachers, your staff? Those are the things that get you out of bed. And I, I learned how to manifest, man. I did. And so I would write down this list. And then from my, you know, this is the way I operate. And when I coach leaders today, this is what I said. You got to, I, I believe in the power of three, whatever I set out to do, I'm going to make three moves every day. Just, I'm just, I'm relentless that way. I make three moves every day, whether it's reaching out to a person, looking something up, um, you know, back in the day, it was uh, probably doing some kind of mailer of some sort. 
today, what it looks like for me is I put a video out every day, every other day for the most part. And in this last month, I'm now doing them every day because I just know that manifesting is about one, being clear on what you want, right? What you focus on grows. And I know enough brain science to make me dangerous. I know that whatever you are thinking about most, your brain is about placing in your path circumstances, people, stuff that seems like serendipity, things that seem like uh, coincidence in your path to make it happen. In other words, everything we need to create the life we want is out there. It's right there for us. It exists already. It's just about bringing them into your path, right? Into your sight line. And the way to do that is getting really clear on what you want, focusing on what you know, what you focus on grows. And I'm telling you, like GPS, like the next turn will be revealed to you. And I knew that I love teaching. I love being a teacher. And at some point I got the leadership bug and wanted to broaden my impact. I said to myself, hey, uh, if if I can impact 25 kids this way, what would happen if I impacted 25 adults who impacted 25 kids each? And then when I came across Dr. DeFore and look, I didn't know who he was, but his talk so impacted me that I started thinking, man, what would it be like to stand in front of an audience of, you know, 500 principals who lead 25 teachers who have 25 kids each. I just started thinking about that and I couldn't get enough of it. And the goal I had was uh, 2007. That was my goal. It's like by 2007, he's going to know who I am. I'm going to make this happen, so forth and so on. And you know, at that, that journal entry from 2006, it was a year earlier. And it was not based on my current school, obviously. Hell, we still had 18% reading proficiency. This was based on uh, my last principalship, which I was at for um, two years. And so my point is, this is not about how to become a consultant. This is about how to create conditions in your life. And I've got this thing down to just a repeatable science. I've been able to accomplish a lot. And I've accomplished a lot in the midst of an office full of failed swings and failed tries. I mean, that's if I pan the camera around this office right now, you'd be appalled. And one day I'm going to do this. I'm just going to talk about all the things I tried that didn't work, but I needed all those things to lead me to what does work. And I was no different about the school. That's why mission, not your mission statement, mission and vision are so critical. Like I, every time I think about, you know, how we did it in three years, it was, we got absolutely, we had a mission, every child every day, right? That, that's what it was. Every child, every day, no exceptions, right? Mission kicks in when the math stops working. And so this is how I applied this manifestation thing to my work at schools, every child, every day. And then we didn't do what most districts do, which is give vision short shrift. Just take a line out of your mission statement and stick the word vision in there and think you've got something. That's not shit. Visioning and it is critically important at schools that are struggling and trying to change their narrative. You've got to climb up out of the shit and 
facilitate a process where you are looking into the future and creating compelling circumstances and then circling back to talk about what tangible steps, what practices, what mindset commitments do we need to make to bring that school to pass and then let that be the North Star as Tom and I talk about in starting a movement, the North Star that leads you. This is why visioning is so important. It's important for any school. It is 10 times important for that school because you are sitting in this shit in chaos almost every day in the beginning for a while. And so if all you've got is the road right in front of you, the traffic right in front of you, you're never going to see the horizon. You're never going to see it. Now, I'm going to take this back to the, the title of this track which is when someone sees more than you than you see in yourself and um you know i did two coaching calls today and i've got one tomorrow and someone wants to talk I mean, you know listen this is my every time i do an informal uh coaching call or answer some questions or provide some kind of experience or wisdom or whatever it is to people it is it is a, a quiet prayer to Rick DeFore. It is a it is a thank you to Rick DeFore, who at this point was internationally known and made time to connect with me and my little raggedy ass school. And so I pay it forward. And then I try to pay it forward uh, through his spirit as well. And it's something I think I have a gift at, and that is seeing more in people than they see in themselves. And kind of reaching inside and, and, and bringing that forward. You know, I, I heard one time that, you know, like most people use like, like 10 to 15% of our, our brain's capacity and capability. So when I, I think about that, and that's always in the back of my mind, there's, there's not much I don't think is possible, right? I, I, just in, it, Especially in terms of the work we do. And he spoke it into me. As, uh, as confident as I was at my last assignment, I was uh, I was playing whack-a-mole at this at this new school. We've made some gains, obviously. I mean, 31 people had left at this point. But um, man, you get you look up and every time your school's at the bottom, and you know it's not gonna it's not gonna happen overnight. It, it kind of chip away at your confidence a little bit. And he spoke it into me and continued to speak it into me until he took his last breath. And I, along with people like uh, Mike Matos and Anthony Muhammad and uh, Paula Maker and, uh, you know, Jeannie Spiller and Louise Cruz and Brian Butler, like, and, and many, many, many others, Maria Nielsen, you know, we can all, we, we all have these stories of how this man and, and by extension, Becky as well, and of course, Dr. Bob, how these folks just, they, they just saw more in you than you saw in yourself and then challenge you to do something. And, and that's what Rick was great at. I mean, I'm looking on my wall right now and he had me reviewing books in the journal staff development when, you know, I hadn't been out on a gig yet, but he, it, he just provided so many opportunities. And as school leaders, I believe that is part of our charge. You got to speak it into them. You know, I, I saw someone post the other day on Twitter and it talked about you know, the role as a new principal and the most important things that I get in the classrooms. And uh, the introvert in me didn't respond. I just liked it. But uh, part of me was like, uh, 
make sure that you understand that your classroom is the adults. So if you're in that classroom to help that teacher get better and by extension connecting with kids, that's cool. But that's a big shift. As a school leader, your classroom are the teachers. That's who you're speaking it into. You gotta speak it into them with a little more sophisticated language than teachers use with kids, but the same goals in mind, the same things. And I, I seek to do that all the time. It's gotta be sincere, it's gotta be authentic, it's gotta be real, like you can't bullshit people. Rick, was, Rick did not mince a word, <laughs> ever, ever. Whether it was constructive or praiseworthy feedback, he is one of the handful of people uh, in my life who I knew I didn't have to second guess anything he said. Didn't have to second guess anything he said. Like he said what he he said what he meant. And so we got to speak goals into existence. If you are that school, I just finished a two day workshop around uh, my book, starting a movement. And one of the most powerful activities is a visioning activity. When we look out five years into the future and talk about what we can become, and it's done in a way that just gets the adrenaline going. You know, this is the stuff I do with schools on campuses, because without that kind of vision, which then leads to manifestation of new culture, new circumstances, new results, you are in survival mode all day. You know how I define survival mode? I may come up with a, de a, a more uh, uh, eloquent definition later, but this is the one I have right now. When educators work their asses off, minus mission. That's survival mode. When educators are working their asses off, minus mission. Because minus mission, the goal is to survive the day, to get through it. And I'm talking about, it could be a school full of teachers of the year who may have their own individual mission, but those individual right, missions will fall far short of what can be accomplished with a collective organizational shared mission. See, you're gonna work your ass off anywhere, anyway. I was uh, talking with a couple of staff members from uh, Anissa Baker Busby School, and I feature her in, in Ruthless Equity. And we were talking, I'm paraphrasing, but she talked about how, just how hard the work is and how much they're grinding. And then in the next breath, she said, but it's worth it because they are mission driven. You can't accomplish mission unless you understand outcomes. So they understand outcomes. They know how to score locally. They keep score locally. And when I say that, I don't mean in a competitive way. I mean, they track their progress. They don't wait for the big state assessment. And so those so those teachers are getting payoffs, incremental payoffs. And more importantly, they're getting incremental feedback. So when, you know, when there's not a payoff, when they've regressed some, they've got the information to then make a move and pivot. But the entire time, their goal is never to get to just three o'clock. They got together and painted a picture of an ideal future for students who, I mean, this is rural Georgia, man. Not a lot of resources. Just insane fire from the leader and by extension, her guiding coalition and leadership team. Wishing is not enough. You know, there's a lot out there on this law of attraction. And again, I believe in a tangible part of it. You know, uh, for those of you listening, if you bought a new car in the last month, there's no doubt in my mind that 
as soon as you drove your car off the lot, damn it, you thought there may have been a damn 20% sale on that car because every every other block, you see another version of your car. That That's just the law of attraction, which means because you're thinking about that make and model, right? You, you bought your, your Buick Enclave and now you see one every two blocks. Those same cars have been there the whole time. It's just that because you're thinking about it so much and you're focused on it, your brain, and I don't know how it works, but it just places in front of you that which you think about most. This is not Pollyanna. This works whether you think positively or negatively. That's why I don't argue expectations anymore. If you decide the kid is low and can't learn, you win. The kid loses because you're going to find exactly what you look for. See, I'm, I'm consumed with the answers being in the room. So when I coach teachers and leaders and staff, speak it into them, see more in them than they see in themselves and then arm them with the tools, the processes, the protocols and the mindset to to embed and unleash ruthless equity and watch it happen. I'm done. And it's just a repeatable process over and over again. So school leaders, especially those of you who are relational, you connecting with kids. I love it. Don't stop. But don't you ever get it twisted. Your classroom is the adults. Like they need your uh, hugs, uh, virtual or actual. They need to hear that they can. They need to hear that. And I tell my staff this all the time. Look, I will move hell and high water to get you what you need to do this work. I will, I will rob, lie, and steal. I will deceive people to get you what you want, what you need to do this work. I can't do excuses. I can't do excuses. Because every excuse you come up with with why kids can't is the reason they must. So I can't do excuses. And so if, if any of this is resonating with you and you're thinking about perhaps like, how do I bring things into existence? I'm going to tell you upfront, wishing is not enough. And that's where a lot of people make the mistake. And that's why this manifestation stuff gets a bad name sometimes. And it's looked at as like mumbo jumbo and some metaphysical something. But it, listen, wishing is not enough. Like creating your goal sheet and looking at it every day and reading it every morning is not enough. You're going to be presented with signs and opportunities. And this is going to take you right back to a video I've done recently called the 3% rule. And that is this. Listen, I've been doing, I've been consulting nationally for 16 years. I've had hundreds of people tell me, uh, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. You're gonna see, I'm gonna consult, I'm gonna ask you about this. Listen, here's the 3% rule. 100 people are gonna say it, three people are gonna do it. I just wanna be one of the three. Like that, that, I live my life to be one of the three. One of the three, good, bad, or indifferent. And like I said, I failed a whole lot. Like this office is a shit show right now. But I'm going to be one of the three. Wishing is not enough. You're going to be presented with opportunities. And some of those opportunities are going to take you outside your comfort zone. It might be confronting a staff member. It might be uh, not continuing to ignore some uh, level of dysfunction at your school. It, it might be making some tough decisions. I know early on for me, you know, my staff was departmentalized at fourth and fifth grade. And I had a couple of good teachers there. I mean, Jeannie was one of those teachers. We were the hot mess express. And look, I collaboration is the engine that drives the learning community. It drives equity. It drives school improvement. 
And I knew in my soul I could not have one teacher teaching reading, one teaching math, one social studies, one science. I empathize with them because I understand, especially at the elementary level, there are like 100,000 different preps. But I also knew it wasn't what was best for kids. And I had a great fifth grade math teacher, a great one. But I knew she could be greater if she put her head together with another teacher on a weekly basis around the right questions. That was a tough decision to make. It wasn't received well. But I knew it was in the service of my vision of us becoming right a, a, a recognized Title I school, for us becoming that school that parents aren't ashamed of that they're lined up around the block. And I told you we had hood aspirations. I wanted to become that school where uh, parents uh, felt compelled to lie about their residency to get the kids into our school. That couldn't happen if I left our structure the way it was. It's one thing when you have to have singletons. We were creating them in a large urban slash kind of suburban school. Well, call it urban. Clayton County used to be a suburb, but it wasn't anymore when I got there, damn it. And so it's it's not enough to wish. It's not enough to create those goals. It's not enough to create the vision. You are going to get signs. You're going to get like you're going to get nudges. Someone's going to be obvious and you got to take action. You got to take risks. You got to take swings. And in the service of whatever you're trying to accomplish, I talked about the, you know, the, the three, the three percent rule is 100 people have a great idea. Only three people are going to take action on it. But I also talked about the power of threes, make three moves a day. And I did the same. I did that. You know, I applied that to my entrepreneurial life and I applied it to my school leadership life. you got to show up consistently. you got to be consistent. You've got to be consistent. And I'm telling you, the first mindset change of consistency is this. When you lead that school, you have no room. You don't have an ounce. You can't let an ounce of air in regarding uh, expectations. Not an ounce. The excuses, which I'm sure line the aisles, line the hallways all throughout your school, you cannot let an ounce of air in about excuses being legit. You can't. You cannot, you have no wiggle room, none. And that's something that's tough. It's tough to be consistent about that. As I read through the journal and it's, it's tough, but you've got to, you can empathize. I empathize with the plight of teacher, but I don't sympathize and I don't treat them like the low group and I'm not going to have them be martyrs buying into excuses that I know can be overcome with our collective effort. So to kind of wrap this up, let me give you what was going on inside my head when uh, when Rick extended this invitation. One, again, it was an opportunity for me to uh, be an active principal and then take what I know on the road, work with larger audiences, and yes, like uh, supplement my income as well. That was a, a, a nice perk to it. But I was also at a school that was digging itself out of the abyss. And so I also used it this way. I leveraged it at school. I put our stuff out there. I told our staff, we're about to be on the national stage. Like folks are gonna know about us. And we gotta step up. Now, of course, we gotta step up for the kids, yada yada. I get that. But I wanted this to be extra motivation. And it was extra pressure on me. 
it was extra pressure on me as well. Because I, I had to speak it into existence before it existed. We had to act as if. I used his invitation as positive pressure. One of the things I loved about working with Rick is I know consultants who, if they read a book by the top line person in the field, the thought leader in the field, and like are able to regurgitate their work and their research and findings and activities, that's good enough to become a consultant. But with Rick, you had to have data. You had to have school. You had to have shown you can do this. He didn't give half a damn that you knew how to explain a professional learning community. He wanted folks who out there who did the work. And I, I love that and I respect that and I respect it to this day. And it put positive pressure on me. I was invited to do it based on, you know, results that I helped produce at another school. But I'm at this school now. I own all of it. And we had to make it happen. And again, it, it wasn't simply about money. It was about what when I give value, what do I receive for that? And then how will that enhance my life? And how that translates for school is you've got to create a vision of your ideal future. And then talk about the awesome things that happen after that. And again, that's what I do with schools. When I do mission and vision work, we engage in this phenomenal activity. You got to act as if. And even though it came a year earlier than the goals I had written, it was actually perfect timing because I believe it accelerated our growth and accelerated our transformation um, because we we couldn't wait. We couldn't wait. That's another that's another aspect of leading that school that that people fail to see. I was talking with a principal last week and, you know, she had the benefit of, you know, she's telling me what's going on and what she's doing. She's like, hey, well, first of all, I'm kind of just sitting back and watching for a year. And she didn't say that in a, in a, in a negative way or a, a, a lazy way. Yeah, I mean, just based on where she was, you could, you know, thought you could afford it. And, you know. Sometimes you're in situations where the, the, the school is in cruise control and there, there are no serious red flags and you can do that. But when you lead that school, baby, you can't do that shit. You got to get in there. And in my situation, I had these grand plans to come in and to lay down the law. But damn, I was playing whack-a-mole for six damn months. Whack-a-mole. Whack-a-mole. While trying to keep my eye on the prize. And I'm telling you, Whack-a-mole mode alone, that's survival mode, and without mission, it's a grind. I'm not saying I didn't have days where I, was, I, was, I wasn't frustrated. I did. But mission, that North Star, helped keep me on track. So uh, part of me feels like I'm all over the place, but I'm not going to re-record this. And I hope you get something out of it. I really do. You know, manifesting, making things happen, you know, speaking your goals into existence is 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 not the stuff of uh, posters and laptop stickers. It is it is life. It is it is defined what I've been able to do and create and continue to do and create. And I've done it for you know thirty some odd years. As I said in the commercial, if you're interested in partnering with me and how we can move your mission forward, establish that vision and, you know, 
ignite improvement at your school, reach out to me. I hope this podcast episode spoke to your soul. If so, please share it with someone. I'll see you next week. And remember to always start with the crown. episode of the ruthless equity school leadership podcast you got to sell where you're going baby not necessarily where you are you've been listening to the ruthless equity school leadership podcast with ken williams for more information about ken visit ruthlessequity.com